Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to today's guest speaker, Chris Dew, for this week's message. What is up, Vineyard Church? Chris here. Uh, I'm, in, I'm so excited that you're with us here this morning. We're starting a brand new series called 10 Talks. And ultimately what this is going to be about is that we're going to jump in uh, to this passage of Scripture in Exodus chapter 20 and look at the Ten Commandments, which is so exciting. And I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid, I wasn't raised in church or anything like that. But in preschool, uh, that I heard these Ten Commandments for the very first time. And I was so intimidated. I mean, I remember looking at these and hearing them read and being like, I don't know if I understand those. And if I do understand them, I don't know if I follow many of those. And I remember kind of being like, I'm so intimidated with these huge words and all of this. And I hope that through this series uh, that we can put a fresh lens on what these are all about and hopefully... Uh, that we can have a fresh encounter uh, with the God of the universe through His Scripture. So if you have a Bible, uh, let's flip over to Exodus chapter 20, and I'm going to read a couple verses. Starting in verse 2, it says this, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Ultimately, what God is saying here uh, is that He is not able to be one of a lot of gods in our life. He's got to be our one and only God. Uh, I want you to picture like this. So I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Kathleen. And imagine that if, if I'm hanging out one day and here comes Kathleen and she comes up to me and she says, Hey, Chris, um, I just want to let you know that I like you and I love you. Um, and I'm going to come home every now and then, yet I've got some other guys who I'm kind of interested in who I'm going to spend some time with. Is that okay? How do you think I would react to that? Well, I've always wanted to start a prison ministry, and I think that would be the launch of the prison ministry. I think I'd kill all those guys and uh, that I'd be preaching in the prison. I think there's a commandment about that, except we haven't gotten there yet because we're on commandment number one. Uh, but all of us know that that doesn't work, right? That ultimately that, that in a covenant relationship, it cannot be a lot of other lovers. It's got to be one on one. And this is how it is with him as well. Uh, that ultimately he demands total loyalty in a covenant relationship with us. And that's where the most life is found. Um, I remember when I was a little kid uh, that I went... Uh, fishing this one time. I was probably eight or nine years old and I had a cane pole. And I was out there on the dock, I threw the cane pole in and I was just waiting. And I was like, man, this, this is awesome, just kind of waiting and stuff. And eventually I had a bite. And I was really excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I have a fish on the line. And I, I started to pull it and I was like, this is a really big fish. And I called my mom and she ran over to help me and I'm holding the cane pole and she's holding me and I'm pulling and pulling and pulling. And finally we got this catfish out of the water. It had to be 20 pounds. I know I was probably 
eight or nine at the time, right? So it was, it was probably a lot smaller, but right now, I'm thinking it was like 20 pounds and massive. And I pulled this fish out of the water. And I remember when we got him out of the water that he was flailing around. He's like, man, I, I, you know, he's, he's, he's very uncomfortable trying to get back into the water because he's about to die. And ultimately I didn't, you know, I didn't want to keep him. I didn't want to, you know, eat him really. So we put him back in the water and he was at home in that water. And honestly, I think these are how the Ten Commandments are. Uh, that as we operate in the presence of God, in His will, in His ways, it ultimately it's kind of like we are a fish in water. Uh, but once we get out of them, out of His presence, out of His will, out of His ways, we are like a fish out of water, struggling, having no idea how to live. Everything just kind of feels really confusing and we feel like we can't breathe. And I'm hoping that as we look at the Ten Commandments, uh, that we can know that, man, life is here. Life is found in the will and the ways of God. So here's my question for us. How do we put Him first? How can we put God first in this way that He says in this scripture, that He can only be the only God, right? He's not one of many. He's our one and only. How can we make him our one and only? How can we put him first? Well, three ways. Here's point number one. Man, we've got to know him personally. How to make him first, how to make him our one and only is we have to know him personally. Man, I love how he opens up the Ten Commandments. Because he doesn't open up with, okay, here's all the things you have to follow, but rather he opens up with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Uh, the context of this passage, and you probably already know this, uh, but ultimately the people of God, the people of Israel are enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. And they are, man, like just hard at work. It's, it's, it's awful. It is absolute slavery for them there. And eventually after hundreds of years, uh, the Lord calls a man with a speech impediment in order uh, to help free his people. And I love the encounter with Moses, right? Because he's, he's just kind of walking in the wilderness or whatever. Um, and then there's a flaming bush, comes up to it and it's the presence of God. He only has this conversation and uh, the Lord says, hey, I'm going to use you in order to go free my people. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. I can't really talk very well. I've got a speech. I, I can relate with my man Moses, right? Lord, choose someone else. I don't, I don't want to go. But he says, no, no, no. I use your weakness in order to flex my power. Um, and he calls him and finally he's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And he heads in uh, the king of Egypt, right, the Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go. You've heard this story. Um, and over the course of these plagues and hardening of Pharaoh's heart over and over again, finally, through the Passover, the people of God are freed. And it's crazy, man, because they go across the Red Sea and then they're in the wilderness, and that's where we get the Ten Commandments. He ultimately has freed them out of slavery, and he says, you are my people. I love you. I've done these, these huge acts, these mighty acts in order that you can be freed. And you are my people. I love you so much. And now I'm going to tell you how you can 
live. I love how he uses his personal name here as well, right? He doesn't say, I'm a God. He doesn't say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of this dude. No, no, no. He says, I am Yahweh. I am the Lord, your God. Here's who I am, and here's what I've done on your behalf. And now I'm going to explain to you how you can live in light of that. Oh my gosh, it's kind of like an adoption story, right? That what happens when you get adopted is that you have uh, to head into the courtroom, right? And the orphan's over here and the family's over here. And uh, ultimately they hear the case. And then at the end of the case, what happens is the, uh, the judge slams down the gavel. And he says, you are now a part of this family. He changes his last name in one moment. And the crazy thing about that, right, is he hasn't earned his way into the family, He hasn't changed how he acts or how he looks or anything. He just gets integrated into this family out of love. And this is how it is with us and God, is that he sent his son Jesus here to live a perfect life in our place, to be crucified on a criminal's cross. He hopped up from the grave and through that gospel, through the love of God, we are adopted into the family of God of God. We didn't earn it and we didn't do anything to earn it. But ultimately we're adopted into that family. And then once that child is adopted, then comes the process of this lifelong journey of cultivating intimacy and also explaining how to live in the new family. And that's what God is doing here. He says, I love you. I sent my son Jesus to pay for your sin, to free you from sin. I'm your God. You're my child. I'm your father. You're my child. And now I'm going to hand you some principles of how you can live in light of that. How we make him first in our life, how he becomes our one and only is first. Man, we got to know him personally. Here's number two. Choose him over everything. Choose him over everything. The context of what's happening here is ultimately that in Egypt, uh, that they had lots of other gods, uh, that they kind of worshipped all these different gods and stuff. And now uh, the people of God, the people of Israel are out of that environment And he's explaining to them, hey, I don't operate like that. How this covenant relationship works is that I must ultimately be your only God. And I know for a lot of us, right, that we don't have shrines in our house of other gods. That we don't really wrestle with, okay, well, I'm going to worship Allah today. And then some Hindu gods over here. And then I'll worship Yahweh on Sunday or whatever. Like we probably don't have that going on in our home. If you do, right, this is speaking straight to you. But ultimately, how this relates to us is that we all have an internal list of priorities. Uh, there's, there's lots of things in our life uh, that we love. And I want you to just take a few minutes uh, to kind of process what's on your list of priorities. You know, maybe it's school or your spouse or the job you have or a hobby that you have or your kids or, 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 or something else. All of us have a list of priorities. Now, here's a question for you. What's at the top of that list? Who or what is at the top of that list of priorities for you? 
who or what is on that list when you get up in the morning that that's the first thing that's on your mind. Who or what is that thing that you talk about most often that's just on your mind all day that you're so excited about that you just can't stop speaking about? Who or what is that thing at the top of your list that you can't live without? Oh man, it's what you love, it's what you fear, it's what you find your joy in, it's where you run when you need comfort. When you have that emptiness feeling, it's the place you run. What have you put in front of God? Right? Because here in this commandment it says, you shall have no other gods except for me, in front of me, in my presence. And I think here in America especially that we um, have a tendency to go to church on Sunday except then let all these other things slip into our heart as the highest place of priority. And here's the reality. All of us were created to worship. Like it is in our um, human instinct to have an object of worship in our lives. If it's not God, it's going to be something else, right? It's going to be a sports team, right? It's going to be a person that we worship. But here's the reality, is that nothing else in the world can stand the weight of our worship. There's nothing else that can stand it. I mean, if we put our kids in that highest spot of priority in our life, ultimately they will crumble under the weight of our worship. Exact same thing with our spouse. I mean, if we put our spouse in that highest spot in our life, then probably eventually they're going to be like, I can't live up to your standards. I can't meet all your needs because they weren't made to. Exact same thing with our job. I and mean, if we put our job in that highest priority spot in our life, then what's going to happen is everything else is going to crumble in our life eventually. Our spouse will probably resent us. Our kids are going to be like, why is he always at work? We were created to worship, except the only one who can stand the weight of our worship is Yahweh. He is all-powerful. Everything else is not. He's all-knowing. Everything else is not. He's the creator. Everything else is created. He is the only one who's worthy of all of our worship, all of our affection. He's the one who can take it. Um, I want you to put in your mind right now that I'm about to go uh, just on a preaching trip, right? So I'm going to be gone for a week and a half or so, and I get up in the morning. It's early. I have an early flight, um, and Kathleen's asleep still, right? So I kind of kiss her on the forehead. I go out into our kitchen, um, and I write her a letter, and it's, it's, it's a love letter, man. It, it's, it's hot and steamy, right? I, I love you so much. I miss you. All those things. I get her some flowers and I put them there and I spray it with my cologne and all that, right? So it's, it's, it's this beautiful package of love. Um, and then I head out the door and I get on my flight. A few hours later, Kathleen wakes up and she goes into the other room and she sees the flowers and the card and she's overwhelmed, right? She's like, oh my gosh, Chris is so awesome. I love him so much, right? And she has this moment of smelling the flowers and reading the card and smelling my cologne on the card. And it's, it's, it's just amazing. Um, and a few weeks go by and every day she's looking at him, smelling, it's, it's, it's just amazing. And it does exactly what I wanted it to accomplish. And ultimately that's uh, to let her know that I love her and uh, to point her to me. And a few weeks later, I come back and I'm excited to see my wife, right? I'm like, man, I haven't been home. I'm ready to sleep. I'm ready to watch ESPN and just hang out with my wife. And I kick the door open and I'm like, hey, babe, I'm here. And 
ultimately what happens is that she looks at me and then she looks at the card and looks at me and looks at the flowers and ignores me and starts reading the card again. I'm like, babe, no, 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 no. Like put that stuff down. The flowers are kind of wilted, right? You can, you can let that stuff, I'm, I'm here, right? The real thing, put it all down, I'm, I'm here. But ultimately she ignores me and she keeps reading the card and smelling the flowers. All of us would say, what are you doing, right? Like put all that down. Like I'm like, your husband's here. Like put it, put that, throw it away. Like the real thing is here. All of us would say that, except that's exactly what a lot of us are doing with the Lord. He's given us some good gifts because he's a good father. He's blessed us with jobs and spouses and kids for some of us and, and, and houses and cars and, and, and this amazing life that he's blessed us with. Except all of those things are meant to let us know how much he loves us and to point us to the real thing. To point us to him. All the things of the world, like that flower and like the smell on that card, are going to eventually fade. They are temporary, but God is not temporary. He is worthy of our worship and the real thing is available to you and I because of the gospel. Because of the gospel, we can know him personally and we can choose him over everything. That's number two. And here's uh, the last point. Number three, continue uh, to cultivate a heart of love for the Lord. Here's the thing about choosing him first and making him our one and only is that it's not a one-time event, but rather this must be cultivated every single day over time as we continue to walk with Jesus and grow in the grace and knowledge of Him. And I think, I think it's easy to hear a message like this sometimes and uh, to hear, okay, I got to make Him first. He's got to be my one and only. And ultimately, uh, to make some external changes. Okay, I'm going to watch less TV. Okay, I'm going to start tithing. Okay, I'm going to spend time with God in the morning. Okay, I'm going to start going to church every week now, right? Like, it's easy uh, to really just start make some external practical changes. And, and I love those. You should do those. We should all make some practical changes after hearing a message like this. Uh, but ultimately, if it's just external, it's not going to last. It has our hearts have to be changed. If it's only external, it's not gonna last, but our hearts have to be changed over time. I love what Jesus said. He said this, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. I love Jesus right? because ultimately the law was an external thing that all the people of God were trying to follow externally. And then as Jesus came on the scene, he clarified the heart of the Old Testament law. He clarified the heart of the commandment of you shall not commit adultery. He said, no, no, no. The point of that is in your heart, you shouldn't even lust. He clarified the heart of you shall not murder. Right? He said, no, 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 that's, that's, that's good. Yes, except it's also in your heart that you should not hate anyone or have anger in your heart. And this is no different. 
In the law, it says you shall have no other gods in front of me, except Jesus came and clarified that it's not just an external thing of worship, of practical things we do, but it's rather in our heart. We've got to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. And so how do we do this? How do we allow God uh, to actually change our hearts? What happens through the Spirit of God? It isn't by us, I'm going to do it on my own. No, no, no. It's ultimately by the Spirit of God changing our hearts over time. But how do we partner with Him? Real quick, two ways we can partner with the Spirit of God in Him changing our hearts in order that we can cultivate a love for the Lord. Here's number one. Flood your life with all the things that stir your affections for Jesus. Flood your heart with anything that stirs your affections for Jesus. Man, and I don't know about you, uh, but there's a few things in my life that every time I do them, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just love Jesus more right now. Like, I just love God. I'm enjoying his benefits. And so here's a few of mine. Early mornings. <laughs> for some of y'all, y'all are like, that is the opposite of what stirs my affections. I don't, I don't want anything to do with that, right? But I love early mornings. I mean, I love, I love when I get up early and you know, I hear the birds chirping outside and I have a strong cup of black coffee and I open my Bible and I open my journal. There is something that that does to my heart that it's just, I'm just in love with Jesus more. Uh, but it isn't all spiritual things, right? When I um, you know, hang out with good friends around the table, and eat really good food, some filet mignons or something like that around the table, and I'm laughing with good friends. Man, that does something to my heart where I'm enjoying his people and all the blessings he's giving to me that makes me fall more in love with Jesus. There's lots of things like that for me, and I'm sure you have some as well. You know, if it's hanging out outside or sleeping late on your rest day or, or all kinds of different things that when you do them, you just feel more in love with God. He's, in, he's inviting you into flooding your life with those things. Man, so make a list. Just like, okay, I like to you know, have awesome food with friends. I like to hike. I like to, you know, whatever it is, make your list. And fill your life with those things. Here's number two. Starve your life of anything that robs your affections for Jesus. Starve your life of anything that robs your affections for Jesus. Exactly like there's things that when we do them, we just feel alive in the Holy Spirit, that we just come alive with joy for God. There's also things in our lives that as we do them, we're like, man... I just don't really love Jesus because of this. Like, I just, I just feel dry. I feel crusted. Like, you know, what are those things in your life? Man, I know for me, it's too much of this screen time. And as I scroll through social media over and over again, and if I watch a lot of TV and I'm, I'm always on my iPad and my laptop, man, what happens at the end of the day is that I'm just kind of like, man, I'm a Christian still, but I don't have like joy for the Lord. Don't have joy for the Lord. Another one for me is overworking. It runs in my family that all the men, man, just work a lot. 
80 hours a week sometimes and that's in my blood and I know that if I'm not careful I can run at that pace for a long time and it feels like over time that my heart is hardened and I'm just like man I don't I don't have the joy I used to have in the Lord man hanging out with certain people for me who are slandering other people like like I'm just like man every time I hang out with those people I just don't feel the joy I normally experience for the Lord. And I want to encourage you, man, make a list of those things in your life. It's screen time. And I, I love TV, right? It's, it's awesome, right? But if it's screen time, if it's social media, if it's hanging out with certain people, um, I don't know, if it's a habit that you have that when you do this, you just feel all the joy for the Lord just crumble in your life. Eliminate those things from your life. And over time, as you cultivate your heart through, uh, you know, through flooding your life with the good things and starving your life of the bad things, uh, it's like a garden right, that you're planting good seeds and pulling the weeds. Over time, you will find that you are more in love with the Lord than you've ever been in your entire life. Flood your life with good things and starve your life of the things that rob you of your affections. He commands us in the Bible to put Him first. He commands us in the Bible that He's got to be our one and only. But how do we do that? Well, first, we've got to know Him personally. We've got to know Him personally. Number two is we've got to choose Him over everything. And then three, you have to cultivate a heart of love for the Lord that is ongoing. Um, I want to close with this. Um, a lot of you guys... I've heard my story before. Uh, I was a drug addict, I was a heroin addict for a long time. Um, and, it, and ultimately what I, what I did through my life is I put drugs first. And I put me first and I worshiped drugs and alcohol. Um, and every morning that was the first thing that was on my mind. Um, and I, you know, anything that was in my life that hindered me from getting drugs, I eliminated them. All the people in my life and the things in my life that helped me to get drugs, I filled my life with those things. I worshiped drugs and alcohol. And through doing that, man, there was chaos in my life. Right? There was, there was um, lots of pain. How I felt was like that catfish out of the water flailing around. Like this is not how life is meant to be. Ten years ago, I placed my faith in Jesus. And I'm telling you, from that point, everything's been different. Um, and from that point, I've tried to put Him first, obviously imperfectly. But I've tried to put Him first, and it's amazing uh, just how I feel like a fish in water. And for 20 years of my life, I felt like that fish outside of the water on the side of the dock, except now in crisis, I've tried to put Him first. I feel like a fish in water. So how is your life right now? Uh, do you feel like that catfish flailing around on the outside of the water? Like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm putting all these other things in that highest place of priority in my life. Or do you feel like a fish in water? I'm at home. I'm operating how the universe was created uh, to work. But here's the great thing. Is that all of us have gotten this wrong at some point in our life. There's no one in the world who's ever existed, who's ever kept this commandment perfectly, except for Jesus. 
all of us place other things in that highest priority spot in our life, except when Jesus was on earth, he didn't. He lived out all the commandments perfectly. He was righteous in every single way. He had one God, the one and only God. And as we fall short, he paid the price for us on the cross. He was crucified. And for all the times we place other things first and we mess up in all the commandments and our hearts aren't right, He took all of that sin, all of the shame, all of the condemnation that we deserve, and it was put on Him on the cross. And if we've placed our faith in Him and turned from our sin, what happens is that His righteousness is imputed to us. And all that means is that it's credited in our account. And that means that we don't... uh, carry that anymore, that we don't have to pay for those consequences anymore because Jesus paid for it and His righteousness has been credited to our account. And if that's you today, if you're like, hey, um, man, I don't know Jesus. Right? Like, I've, I've, I've heard about Him before. I've heard the commandments, except there's never been a point in time where I have placed my faith in Him. Uh, then what I want to do is I just want to lead you in a prayer. Uh, Because how all that righteousness is imputed to us is through uh, faith and repentance. All that means is that we turn away from our old life and we place our trust in Jesus. Scripture says in Acts chapter 3, Repent, therefore, and turn back. The times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord which is great news, right? He says, if you repent, if you say, man, I know I'm not doing it right on my own. I know I can't earn it on my own. And you say, I want to get back in the water. I'm going to turn back into God's will and God ways. He gladly welcomes you with open arms. All of your sin will be put on Jesus and all of his righteousness is imputed to you. If that's you, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's not if you get all the words right, then you're a Christian. Uh, uh, But rather, it's a heart posture like we talked about earlier. It's a heart posture that realizes I'm a sinner. I can't save myself except Christ is the one who can save me. He paid for it. I'm putting my trust and my faith in Him. If that's you, uh, let's just all close our eyes and bow our heads real quick. Um, And you can pray Something like this uh, to the God of the universe. He loves you. He's listening. You can pray something like this. Heavenly Father, I need you to save me. I know I'm a sinner and I know I can't save myself. But I believe that you can. I believe you died on the cross I believe you rose from the grave. I repent of my sin. I place my trust in you. I give you my whole life. I hold nothing back. Teach me how to put you first in everything. In Christ's name I pray, amen. If that's you, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, And how you can explain to us uh, that you just prayed that prayer is you can text FOLLOW to this number, 304-242-0463. Text us that 
um, and, and, and we would love uh, to follow up with you, uh, to get you connected to the church, uh, to give you some next steps of how you can keep following Jesus, keep putting him first for the rest of your life. Uh, there's a few of us listening probably who are a Christian, right? that you've placed your faith in Jesus and tried to put him first in everything, yet over the course of time, other things have creeped into those higher priority slots. And as you heard his word preached today, you realize, man, he's not my one and only. I have these other things that are competing and I've put him second or third or, or in an improper place. And I want to encourage you with the same scripture in Acts 3, repent therefore and turn back that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Because exactly like my story, as I put other things in that priority spot, as I worshiped other things, life was chaotic. And I was like, I don't feel right in life. Except as we put Christ first, as we make him our one and only, it's like a fish in water. Times of refreshing will come when you put him first. All the commandments are not these huge rules that are like, man, I'm going to keep you from the joy. But rather, they are the pathway into the fullness of joy into the presence of God, enter closer intimacy to Him. How crazy would it be if all of us put Him first, if He was our one and only? This would be our new normal. Our jobs would be different. Our marriages would be different. Our homes would be different. Our entire lives would be different. So let's seek Him first. Let's put Him first. Let's make Him our one and only. I love you, Vineyard Church. I hope to see you soon. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.